1: Welcome back to another edition of the 12 questions podcast. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm ready for the athletic and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Kyle Busch, who really, I mean, he needs no introduction, but he is winding down his tenure with Joe Gibbs racing about to move on to Richard Childress racing after this season. But before that happened, we were able to chat via zoom. So let's go ahead and listen to our conversation. All right, everybody. I'm here with Kyle Bush for another 12 questions. And, Kyle, you know, I, I hear that um, you're not media friendly or something, but this is the 11th time you've done the 12 questions. So you've answered already over 120 questions just for this. So, just uh, for this, there's yes. plenty
2: more. Trust me. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I appreciate you doing that. Uh,
2: no worries. Don't so give up f-
1: my reputation, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I won't tell anybody. Uh, the first one is, how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes?
2: Um. Hmm, well, I guess since there is a recline option, then it should be available to use at your discretion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I've always not really reclined if there's somebody behind me I've always just kind of stayed stationary but I will if there isn't someone behind me on a flight then I've definitely reclined for sure
1: sure okay yeah that makes sense um how often do you get recognized at the grocery store
2: um pretty much every time yeah uh, whether it yeah whether it's just uh, a customer you know someone, shopping and doing their own kind of stuff and they just go by you and do a double take, or maybe they'll stop and say hello, or it could actually be, um, you know, a worker that is there that, um, that recognizes, but pretty typically it's every time. Does
1: it matter? If now you have-
2: that's, that's local store. I guess if I'm grocery shopping out of town, mm-hmm. um, yeah, probably one out of 10 times, maybe I would say.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So as soon as you get out of the Charlotte area a little bit, you're uh, like, if you're going to a dirt race or something, people aren't looking uh, for you. They're not, they're not seeing you.
2: Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I got, I get recognized doing that. So we were oh. in Knoxville, Iowa. I got recognized by two people in the store actually on that one. But I guess I was looking towards like uh, if we're in Phoenix or something and we needed something for the, 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 Motorhome, and we go to the store and go pick up a few groceries or whatever. Like I might not get recognized there, but yeah, if you're anywhere that there's a track, something nearby and there's a race in town, you're most likely going to get some, some recognition.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Uh, on a scale one to 10, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner?
2: Um, I would say prior to this year, i um, uh, 10 out of 10. Um, but this year, uh, just with the last you know, nine, 10 months of so much chaos kind of going on and happening, and there's a lot of stuff, um, I would say I've been much worse at it. So probably a, a three or a four.
1: I, I mean, I can't imagine why. Yeah, it's not like you have a lot going on. Um, yeah,
2: just a few things going on. I tell you what's worse is the the emails build up you know by the time you get to some of them that are uh, a few months old it's like oh well i don't have to answer that one anymore so it kind of <laughs> took care
1: of itself yeah you're not getting to inbox 0 huh
2: yeah no i'm trying like hell i'm still
1: at like 200 <laughs> that's still respectable it's still respectable uh what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who will not stop talking
2: um i don't know that's a tough one um you know like if i'm at um, uh, a racetrack or if I'm in a fire suit or something, you know, then obviously it's like, I got to get going to my next thing. So like, I'd love to stay and chat, but I got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, but if you're just at the grocery store and grocery shopping and somebody's talking to you and, and doesn't necessarily stop talking, you really are not in a hurry. So you don't really have anywhere to go. So I just kind of let them uh, air it out and <laughs> Just go through the uh as as politely as you can.
1: Okay. I, I like that strategy. Uh, if you could pick one form of social media to use and drop all the rest, which would it be?
2: Um, I would probably just stick with Instagram. Um, I like seeing the photos and pictures and the history of stuff and whatnot on there. And I could just do with none of the others. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, you do have some some Twitter gold at times, but I also understand why you would never want to be there a- at all for any reason. So
2: Yeah, yeah, I hear you.
1: Uh, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made?
2: Uh, man, that's a loaded question because it could be any kind of mistake. I don't know. I think the best thing about it is to be truthful to yourself about it. And then obviously to others, if you've um, done something or said something, maybe you weren't supposed to, but um, work through it the best you can the best you know how and ask for some outside advice from others and just don't feel the need to keep it locked up inside, if you will. So you can just, you know, um, I guess not get, not get torn down internally.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, that, that makes sense. So this next one's a wild card question and I'm mixing it up for each person. Um, so if I go to like a little league game, right. Or like a, a kid's soccer game, I'm looking at the field. I see like a bunch of six and seven year olds running around. And even though I'm not like a good soccer player or baseball player, I think, well, if I, you know, if I went out there right now, I could like kick these, these kids butts. Right. So with the racing that, like, Brexton's doing and the age that he is right now, if, like, someone like me, like a full adult that doesn't have racing experience, like, if I got in one of those cars and tried to, like, go out there and race with these kids, like, would I get my butt kicked? Or, like, are are these, like, how good are these kids that we're we're seeing? Like, can you give us sort of, like, a a scale of their talent level right now?
2: Yeah. um, So you getting into some of the, cars even if you were their same size and weight i think you'd get your ass beat uh, oh, okay. <laughs> there's some that are really good so um like you can just kind of see i mean uh, a few of them are, are fast and and they're a little rough around the edges they'll run india and whatnot but there are some that are pretty crafty and um they are very good at uh, putting themselves in the right spaces and and uh doing the right things so they've got some good either some good help or some good teaching or just natural ability. So it's fun to see um, those different ones that you see like that, where, you know, Brexton, I feel like he's, he's got both. Uh, He's got some talent he's also got me teaching him and talking to him and helping him a lot along the way. So I think he may over excel some of the others um, that maybe have a little less natural talent, but they have good teachings or vice versa where they might have really good natural talent but the dad just lets him go out there and, and drive in circles and doesn't really know what racecraft to teach him or whatever. So it, there's a lot of different variables um, in that.
1: So you I mean, is there one that's more important than the other like talent versus having somebody in your ear who knows what they're talking about or does it have to be a combination of of both to be successful?
2: Yeah, it it uh, I think it does. Um, you know, I, I think they're. Uh, I think it can be raised. I think it can be taught from early age. I look at William Byron, where you know he wasn't born into a, a racing family at all. Like his dad's a financial advisor and stuff like that, and his mom, um, I think, was a teacher, if I'm not mistaken. But um, anyways, he just did sim. He grew up on the on a computer, and then he did it in real life, and. Then he had some, some, you know, he always put himself in good cars and good equipment with good good people around it and good teachers that would help him. And he's established himself as, as a Cup Series driver and winner. So, um, you know, how much God-given talent does he have? I I don't know, but I feel like he's been taught a lot more than maybe being born in it, raised in it, um, such as, you know, Brexton or somebody else like that.
1: Okay. That's, that's super interesting. Uh, if someone blatantly wrecked you to win a race, would you interrupt their celebration? <laughs> I would
2: say my earlier years. Yes. I would say, um, as of late, um, probably not just save it for another day.
1: You, you because, I mean, you, you still figure out a way to get them back, but it, it's too, it, there's too much risk of making yourself look bad in that situation. I assume.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: I see what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most times over the last year?
2: You know, whatever's been playing on like USA or Netflix or something like that. So like, um, what's that movie? Like the hangover is always kind of playing on regular television and it's just on like maybe in the movie channels and, you're just flipping through because you're kind of bored and just want to see what's on. So you'll take whatever you can get. Uh huh. So the hangover might be one of those that I've seen a lot. And then another one is, um, what's the Vince Vaughn wedding movie.
1: Oh, wedding crashers.
2: Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just sort of something you can put on, enjoy, not have to like, think about it and just laugh. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, those are just good old anytime classics.
1: Right. Right. When you think about NASCAR five years from now, what are you the most optimistic about and what worries you the most?
2: Interesting. That's a tough one. Okay, so, okay. I think what I'm most optimistic about uh, would be, <laughs> which is a hot topic right now, is actually the the revenue share coming up. Mm-hmm. That would certainly be nice. We have got to fix our sport in its ability for survival. I mean, we are, we are in survival mode right now. I mean, just look at it, look at, look at Kyle Busch's situation, right? Like he wasn't able to get a contract with the team because a sponsor left and had to go somewhere else. And that's just, that's not, that's not economical. Um, it's, and look like, granted, I've been fortunate enough to be paid well and, and, Uh, I wouldn't say I've taken that for granted, but I've, I've been very fortunate in that and I got the reset, you know, it was bound to happen, but I got it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just feel like that's not a great model that we have. So I'm most optimistic about that getting fixed. Um, Mm -hmm. what's the other question?
1: Uh, what worries you the most? (laughs) Probably it goes hand in hand.
2: If it (laughs) doesn't get fixed, that worries me. Right. Um, but no, I would say what worries me the most, I would say, where do we go with this car? Um, not because this car is a bad car, but because of where the future is going. So, uh, electrification, um, hybrid technology, you know, all that sort of stuff. And they've kind of built that component into this race car. But the problem is, is the car that we're currently driving, the new next gen car is 200 pounds heavier than our old model car. And if you add electricity to it, that's going to make it even more heavier. Hmm. So like we are in a bad spot with the car. I feel like just because of how expensive it is, how heavy it is, the loads we're already putting on the tires and seeing tires not be able to withstand it. Like we are in a tight, 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 tight box. And, uh, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's, how do you fix it? I good question. Cause I don't
1: know. Wow. Wow. I had not heard or thought about that at all, but that's super, super insightful. Um, so Kyle, a magic genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over. But the catch is that you get to retain all of the knowledge and experience that you have now. So do you accept the offer to go back or do you just stay where you are in the present?
2: Oh, hell no. I go back every day. <laughs> yeah what, you could win a lot da- of races what's the downside of that
1: <laughs> yeah
2: you can make me young again like i'm
1: taking it yes <laughs> well you have to start all i mean you have over 200 wins that you'd have to do all over again but i guess you could win as, more. as
2: long as my body's back to the beginning i'll do it all over again i i can
1: i can do it okay okay i can do you, it better you might have to um you know, you might have to not win as much on like some of the lower series races to get them to not change the rule, um, to, so that you can, that they can have the limit a little bit higher for longer. So you can win, you know, like kind of sprinkle in some, some L's in there so you can get some more W's if that makes sense.
2: Uh, it, it doesn't. Um, (laughs) but I I think that there were plenty of missed opportunities. Um, where I could for sure be at three hundred right now if it wasn't for the missed opportunity. So I would I would take being smarter and better at it, and going back and doing it again and having them uh, reinstate the rule all over again and and play Groundhog Day.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, just win before they get the rule change. That that makes yeah, sense. win okay.
2: more before they get the rule change in. That's right.
1: Okay, <laughs> um, be hated <it> even more. <laughs> yeah, that's well, If you won three three hundred, yeah, you you definitely would be. Um, so each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next person. Last week was Christopher bell. And his question is what has been the most positive change over your time in the sport? Whether that is a car change, format change, stages, playoffs, whatever. And what has been the most negative change?
2: Uh, oh man. Okay. What has been the biggest positive change since I've Mm -hmm. been here? Yep. I was going to go with safety. Um, cause like, you know, the seats and the, the Hans device and all that, which I started with Hans, which was back in 2000. So that isn't necessarily a thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, stage racing is when you're good and you can run up front every week and you're consistent and you've got good stuff like stage racing is a, is a huge plus for you um but the guys that can't do that which now i'm kind of in that boat it's 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 a pain in the neck because you're just clawing for points and you just can't seem to get them Hmm. um you know the format isn't bad um it is an interesting format i feel like it does lend itself to be fair to those that have a good whole year when they win races in the beginning of the year that winning of races helps propel them through the playoffs so like you still do get to reap the benefits of that. So, I do feel like that has been a plus. Um, and so, what has kind of been a drawback? Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. Okay. So, I think one of the bigger drawbacks is honestly the rule book. Um, you know, yeah, you want to keep fairness involved and, and all that sort of stuff. But, man, when I look at the rule book, like it is so strict and intense and we go race go karts with brexton and micros with me and whatever and the rule book is way more lax and you just have an opportunity to do like you really don't even over engineer anything like you just do a couple different things different than the next guy and it's fine in the rules and you either are better from it or worse from it you know i just think the rules are just so many rules And the box is so tight. And especially now with the new car, there's no ingenuity whatsoever. You just go buy it from the store and assemble it. Like, I feel like that has probably, to me, been the biggest drawback.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can definitely understand why you'd say that. Um, So the next interview I'm doing, I believe, is with uh, Harvick. Uh, Do you have a question I can ask Harvick?
2: I guess. Can I think about that and get back to you?
1: Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, no problem.
2: All right. Yeah. Let me think about that one and, and get back to you. Cause that's a, that's an interesting one. I want to try to make it different and not just something that's maybe been asked already.
1: No, I, I appreciate the effort and also appreciate you doing this for the 11th time. So thank you very much for carving out some time to do that.
2: Yeah, man, no problem. Absolutely. Wished, uh, I'd been available sooner, but, um, time is good. So all good.
1: Yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't think we were going to get to do one at all this year. So um, I'm, I'm glad we got it before the end of the season. But yeah, hopefully uh, in the years to come, you won't have <laughs> quite as much going on like ever again, but.
2: I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be nice. Made the, Hopefully we made the, the final jump of where I'll be and uh, can find retirement after, um, you know, a few years.
1: Yeah. I hope that for you too. Well, I don't want you to go away, but you know what I mean?
2: Yep. No, I'm but,
1: with you. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Right on. Thanks. You. Bye. Yep. All right, everybody. There you have it. Kyle Bush on the 12 Questions podcast. I thought that was pretty uh, pretty interesting. It's sort of a different Kyle than we usually get to hear, at least at the racetrack. And uh I really appreciate him taking the time and putting some thought into those answers. And I do have now Kyle's question for Kevin Harvick. And here's his question. What is something that you would like to have different in Keelan's racing path versus yours? Talking about Kevin Harvick's son, Keelan. Do you feel like you wanted to do something coming up that you didn't and you are going to make sure that Keelan does? So I will ask that question to Kevin Harvick next week on the 12 questions. And then just one left and you know who always wraps up the season. That is Landon Castle. So two more 12 questions remaining uh, after this one, and I hope you've enjoyed this season. We will either be back with an all-new 12 questions version next year. We'll do something else, some different type of format. Never really know at this point in the season, but always anxious for your feedback of what you guys would like to see. Maybe we could do some sort of um, 12 questions that are like, really mixed up for everybody every week, not the same questions or some rotating questions. Maybe we could do like a 12 minutes, um, where we just talk about random things for 12 minutes, anxious to hear your feedback on what you guys might like to hear going forward. Or maybe just like the traditional format, same 12 questions every week, maybe mix one up or whatever, but, uh, we'll come up with some new ones. Either way, I appreciate you as always for listening and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.